Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Man, what a packed show we have for you this evening. We're going to have the ambassador to Israel and the ambassador from Israel to explain the diplomatic event that took place today and maybe give us a little bit of clarification on this issue of suspension and annexation, whether it's temporary, and so forth and so on, as well as a fuller understanding of what the deal is. Uh, it's very historic, of course, when an Arab country recognizes and engages in full diplomatic ties with the state of Israel. You wouldn't think it would be, but apparently so. It's only the third one to do so. Uh, Israel has diplomatic relations with Jordan and diplomatic relations with Egypt. And in the case of Egypt, they had to give back conquered territory, including the uh, Sinai Peninsula. Uh, in this case, uh, they're not giving any territory. So seems like a step in the right direction. I just want to know if the original peace deal from earlier this year is done. It's off the table. We've talked about it a lot. And so we just want to close that circle. I keep hearing really rather loathsome comments by Biden and Harris, which attempt to convince you, thinking, smart American citizens, that Donald Trump is responsible for coronavirus-related deaths. Are they going to get away with this, do you think? Do you think enough of our fellow citizens are so gullible and stupid that they're going to believe that the President of the United States is responsible? Is he responsible for all the deaths in the rest of the world? 
And so what I've done, I commented on this briefly yesterday. I've, I've taken a look at a piece that's written by uh, Betsy McCoy, an excellent piece of the New York Post. And uh, she looks at the coronavirus deaths per one million population. And um, the coronavirus deaths per one million population show that the worst instances of deaths, the largest number of deaths per million in the top 10 states occur in nine Democrat-controlled states. Nine Democrat-controlled states. Nine out of ten. This, in part, is why I believe Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won't take questions. Although, if it's the usual media there, they're not going to ask this question. So, what are these nine out of ten states? What are the ten states? Where the the governors are all Democrats. New Jersey has the worst deaths per one million population. New York has the second worst. If you add the deaths in New York and New Jersey, even accounting for the intentional decision by the governor of New York not to count the total number of deaths from his policies respecting senior citizens in nursing homes, 50,000 of the 160,000 or so are from those two states alone. Almost one-third. Next state, even though it has a Republican governor, it has its Democrat legislature, is Massachusetts. State after that is Connecticut. Rhode Island. Louisiana. I believe the governor there is Republican. Uh, Excuse me, I believe the governor there is Democrat. District of Columbia, Michigan, Mississippi, where the governor is Republican. And Illinois. New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Those first five states are heavily Democrat. All in the northeast of New England. Louisiana, District of Columbia, Michigan. You know, know, when you look at Michigan and uh, you look at uh, New York and New Jersey and others, they've had some of the strictest rules, in some cases fascistic rules, of any other state. Of any other state. So New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Louisiana, D.C., Michigan, Mississippi. What comes next? Illinois, Democrat. Delaware, Democrat. Maryland, Democrat and a loser governor. So what is that? Top 12, top 14, top 15 states? This is why they're trying to blame the President of the United States. President of the United States, let me be very clear about this. And here's, here's what's so cynical and, and dastardly about this. Biden and Harris and the Democrats and the media know this. President of the United States has no say over hospital decisions in any state. 
is no saying whether they expand them, whether they allow them to be built. The governors do. He has no say in the number of ICU beds. The governors decide. He has no say in the number of ventilators they're going to acquire. The governors decide. The governors are also deciding on what they're going to allow their hospitals to dispense and when they can dispense them. And as you could see in the case of, in particular, New York and New Jersey, the governors set their own policies for their nursing homes. So the president doesn't run the health care systems in each state, the hospitals in each state, the pharmaceuticals in each state, the nursing homes in each state. No president does. None. None. And so when they blame the president of the United States for the number of deaths because they say he didn't act soon enough, what exactly are they talking about? What is it that he should have done sooner? Exactly what should he have done sooner? He had the same scientists. He inherited them from Obama-Biden. He followed their advice. He even went further than their advice in closing the border to the Chinese and then the Europeans. He put in place a quarantine for the first time in half a century. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. First time in a half a century. What was he supposed to do earlier? Well, we didn't have enough masks. But that's the responsibility of the locals and the states. And so what did he do? The car companies, the computer companies, other companies, he directed them to produce masks. He directed them to produce ventilators. And as it turned out, we didn't need nearly as many ventilators as Cuomo and the other governors were demanding. And now we are a net exporter of ventilators. And now you can get a mask anywhere. And he's also pressing to get these therapies and vaccines done through the usual procedures, but he's cut red tape and regulations to get them done faster than normal, because normally it takes years. And he has coordinated efforts with pharmaceutical companies, with labs, with production companies, with scientists, private, public, universities, What else could he have done? Nothing. And you know how I know that? Because Biden and Harris, other than saying he didn't manage it properly, trying to blame him for deaths, wear your masks all the time, they have nothing to offer. Zero. There's nothing that they could have done better. Nothing. And so when we come back, I want you to hear what Joe Biden had to say about the China virus. And then I'm going to put this in context for you. We'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show and my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Now I'm going to show you how unserious but fascistic Joe Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris actually are. They want you fixated on masks. You understand the death rate in this country from the coronavirus is a fraction of 1%. You understand the median age of those who are dying from this are 78 years old. Right? I just want you to keep that in mind. Cut 12, go. And I'll end by saying that it goes, a little, goes back to the study some months ago by Columbia University saying that we didn't have to be this way. If the president had acted sooner, would have saved just one week earlier. H- have done have... what sooner? Have done what sooner? What are they talking about? A Columbia University study? Did the Columbia University study come out in January or February? Go ahead. 30-some thousand lives. Two weeks earlier, I think it was 51 or 57,000 lives. I hope we've learned a lesson. hope the president has learned the lesson. But again, this is not about Democrat, Republican, or independent. Yeah, yeah right. It's about saving Americans' lives. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. The estimates are we'll save over 40 thousand lives in the next three months if that is done. Of course, he's pulling those figures out of his uh, brain cells from his tuchus. I'm going to say they throw out 40,000 presidents responsible, 50,000, and these numbers come from nowhere. And of course, he doesn't set any kind of policy or plan. So, mandate masks. I have a couple of questions. Under what authority? Under what authority does the federal government have to mandate that you wear masks? And he wants you to wear masks when you're outside. That's what he said earlier. When you're outside, wear masks. For three months, once the mandate across the country. So I would ask Chris Cuomo was jumping up and down. Not Chris, the other idiot. What's his name? Andrew Cuomo. Talked about federalism. Where does that come from? And what's the fine? What's the penalty if you don't? And where are you going to put these people? I mean, we're going to have illegal aliens running around. They're not going to be detained. Uh, So far, 100,000 criminals have been left out by Democrat mayors and governors because of the coronavirus, they say, in prisons. Uh, He's worried about masks. He's apparently not worried about rioting and looting and arson that's taking place in our streets. Not a word about the massive 
murder rates jumping in our cities, particularly among African Americans, by African Americans. No, 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 no. Wear masks whenever you go outside. This is bizarre. But the president should have said that earlier, I guess. Right, Mr. Producer? I guess he should have said it earlier. Maybe he was listening to the science. On 60 Minutes, on March 8th. March 8th. Cut 21. Anthony Fauci, go. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. So that's what the president was told and the whole nation was told on March 8th. And notice Joe Biden doesn't condemn Anthony Fauci. The number one infectious scientist in the federal government for almost half a century. Apparently they were both wrong. You don't need to wear a mask all the time when you're outside. Should farmers wear masks all the time even though nobody's around them? It's so absurd. He has no constitutional authority to mandate it and this is what worries me. I ask you a simple question. The government that has the power to mandate that you wear a mask even though the science doesn't compel it when you're outside No matter the conditions, no matter the social distancing, no matter the environment, is a government that's power is limited how? How is that power limited in any respect? It's not. And you know, as we like to talk about around here, it's the little things you better watch out for. Because if they can mandate and control or make illegal... The little things in your life, then they definitely can mandate, control, and make illegal the big things in your life. So there's no science that I'm aware of, Columbia or no Columbia, that supports the idea that on every occasion, every citizen, everywhere in the United States must wear a mask. And if we do so, 40,000 lives will be saved in the next three months. This is hocus pocus. This is flat earth stuff. And if anyone's to blame from the Biden camp and the Harris camp on the mask issue, it should be Anthony Fauci. If they really believe in their radical, non-scientific attempt to control society through masks, of all things, then Fauci needs to be fired. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. 
one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. So, uh, this mask fascism, if you will, which has no scientific basis, at all times you have to wear a mask outside. How about if you're doing gardening, which I don't do, but you're washing your car, nobody's around, you got to wear a mask? Then they want to hire thousands and thousands of people who are going to do uh, keep tracing data. Do you know what that means? Data on you. Do you think that's a good idea? The civil libertarians of the Democrat Party are long gone. Long gone. This is a police state party. For instance, there are things going on in this country. You wouldn't even know they're going on in this country if you listen to and watch and read about Biden And Harris, we have a Marxist mob in virtually every major metropolitan area attacking our fellow citizens, looting our businesses, brutalizing our police, in some cases trying to burn down government buildings. They don't talk about it. They want to talk about masks. Because those are Democrats. They're going to vote Democrat. One of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter said the goal is to get rid of Trump. So they will join with any party to get rid of Trump. They'll join with Marxists, anarchists, violent people, looters, doesn't matter. They want to get rid of Trump. Fine by them. But they're not talking about anything relevant to what's going on in this country today. You know what their economic plan is? It's a Soviet-style centralized government. Take your wealth from hardworking Americans who are still working. Nationalize your health care so you can't even have private health care. Bring in millions and millions of competitors, illegal aliens, into this country. Let criminals out of prison so your neighborhoods aren't safe. They have no economic plan. They have a plan for big government. They have a plan to empower the Democrat Party. They have no rational economic plan. Eight, nine years ago, they were for suspending payroll taxes. Today, they're against it. Eight, nine years ago, they never said it would hurt Social Security. Today, they pretend it'll hurt Social Security. It's incredible, these people. But Kamala Harris was standing there staring at Joe Biden the way Nancy Reagan stared at Ronald Reagan. 
And she was blown away by his massive leadership abilities, saying that he would find some way to force you to wear a mask, whomever you are, wherever you are, outside, anytime, doing anything, a midnight walk, whatever it is. And Kamala Harris found leadership. Cut 13, go. That's what real leadership looks like. We just witnessed real leadership, which is Joe Biden said that as a nation, we should all be wearing a mask for the next three months because it will save lives. No, well, if I wear a mask and I'm outside and there's nobody within 10 miles of me, how's that going to save a life, Mr. Producer? I thought the test was six feet. Isn't that the science? Isn't that what Fauci said? And Fauci's Confucius. He's the Confucius of our time. He said six feet. Now it's six feet, 12 feet, 100 feet. Now it's not 15 days, 30 days. It's at least three months. And trust me, if these two stooges get elected, all of a sudden the virus won't matter. Don't worry about the masks. And on and on and on. Go ahead. And the thing about Joe that the American people know is that his role of leadership in our country has All always right, shut been... shut up, you idiot. And yes, you're an idiot. You may be historic, so you're a historic idiot. Do you know in Hawaii they have the strictest mask rules in the nation, Mr. Producer? And they have the highest incidence of this virus? Ah, did Columbia University write that up? No. These are statistics. Statistics. I have a better idea. I just thought about this, Mr. Producer. The liberals never stop talking, do they? They never stop talking. And these little drops and so forth they're worried about, getting and spreading and spraying, I think we should have a law nationwide for the next three months that all liberals, when they go outside, have to walk around with a sock in their mouth. What do you think of that? That's great leadership, Mark. That's fantastic leadership. That's the Mark Levin proposal. All liberals with their big mouths who never shut the hell up. For the next three months, you walk around with a sock in your mouth. I think that will be very, very effective. Plus, the rest of us can recover our sanity. We have our plan. And it's even worse than that. Well, they were trying to impeach the president, and Nancy Pelosi was in Chinatown getting wonton soup and urging the country to go, hey, what's the problem? What's the problem? Complete moron and loser. Anthony Fauci was telling us everything's cool. Everything's cool. Remember Newsmax, January 20, when I do this to remind Biden, Harris, there's sycophants in the media and otherwise... Here he is on Newsmax, January 21, with Greg Kelly, Cut 18, go. Bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Well, you know, obviously you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing. But this is not a major threat for the people in the United States, and this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. All right, that's America's number one scientist, bureaucrat. Right? Follow the science. But he doubled down. January 26th. Fauci with Cat's Roundtable. John Castamitis. Cut 19. Go. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? 
Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. And this is the guy the media hold up, and the Democrats are, where's Fauci? How come he's not standing on the podium with you, Mr. President? Why aren't you following the science there, uh, Mr. President? He was, and he is. Then I interviewed the Fauci on March 22nd. I interviewed the Fauci on March 22nd. Here's what he said about the president's handling of the coronavirus. I have no idea why the campaign's not using this. I have no idea, but I am. Cut 20, go. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it. Impressive, I think, is one of them. Oh, impressive. And I thought Joe Biden said the president didn't act soon enough, so we have 50,000 deaths. You realize what a slimeball Joe Biden is, the way he went after Bob Bork, the way he goes after Clarence Thomas, just as our historic first is a slimeball, the way she went after Kavanaugh, and the way she's gone after other people. That's all they know. You got two character assassins at the head of the Democrat ticket. And you have Kamala Spiro Agnew Harris. That's what you have. Go ahead. The thing about all hands on deck is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time on this, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone uh, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be try- doing more. Wow, did you hear that, America? And that's the Fouch. That's Pope Fouchy himself. Impressive, day and night, 24-7. I can't imagine anybody could be doing more, the entire team. But Joe would have done more. And we know he would have done more because in 2009, interesting when Kamala Spiro Agnew Harris... Uh, was talking about the pandemic. What did she call a pandemic? It wasn't even a pandemic, whatever it was. It's interesting she didn't mention 2009 swine flu, H1N1, technical phrase. Because Joe blew it, and so did Obama. They screwed up royally. Can you imagine what they do with a, a real pandemic with the complexity of this one? Okay, uh, I, I think we should all wear masks outside next three months, uh, and I'll mandate it. How are you going to mandate it? I'll just say, do it, and everybody will do it. And uh, that's going to do it. That'll save 40,000 lives. How do you know? Well, what do you think I've been doing in the basement? I've been using my calculator. Oh, 
They throw out those figures because, let's be honest, most of their base is utterly stupid. Why else would they vote for them? But our independence and the college-educated white women in the suburbs, this stupid, we're about to find out. When you look at this, you can see every step of the way how the Democrats have mishandled this. The New Jersey governor, the Illinois governor, the New York governor, the California governor, the governor of Hawaii. We have the stats. We know who did what. Oh, it's not the governor of Florida. It's not the governor of Texas. Oh, I know. The media and the Democrats keep pointing to these big states because they tend to be red states. But they're not the ones. They're not the ones. Why didn't Cuomo act sooner? Why didn't Murphy act faster? Why didn't Pritzker act faster? Did they do the right thing? So now they think the answer is a mandate on masks. This will stop the virus. Tell me, does a mandate on masks stop the flu? Because if a mandate on masks stops the flu, shouldn't we be wearing masks during flu season? Flus are very contagious while we have vaccines. Vaccines are hit and miss, as we all know. Little kids die from the flu. So why haven't we been wearing masks all along? And so when you look at their idiotic non-science, their flat-earth BS, and then you look at their economic plans, which will destroy what's left of an economy that's trying to break through and starting to break through, and then when you look at how they ignore what's going on in the city, how do you ignore burning cities? How do you ignore Marxist groups violently with weapons attacking federal law enforcement outside a federal courthouse? How do you do that? And what's their answer? Take the cops away. Take the feds away. In other words, it's our fault. Not the fault of the Marxists. Because those Marxists are going to vote for Biden-Harris. That's why. Am I behind, Mr. Producer? Yes or no? We're good? Then I'll be right back. Mark in. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
Don't forget, in the next hour, shortly after the top of the hour, we will have uh, the ambassador to Israel from the United States, David Freeman, on the program to discuss uh, what exactly took place with the United States, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates. The following hour, we will have the ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, uh, who will discuss the same thing from the perspective of Israel. I can tell you already how preposterous Biden and Harris are. See, they like to talk about unity, but they have to trash everything. They have to trash everything. That's their view, because they really have nothing to run on. And so uh, the so-called Jewish outreach person for the Biden campaign is a laughable buffoon. He, of course, is a Democrat before anything else, a leftist before even a Democrat. What does he say? This shows that Biden's policies are working. (laughs) Biden's policies are working? What policy? What policy? Does anybody know what he's talking about? By the way, I will not be here tomorrow. I'm not going on vacation. I rarely take vacations. I'm going to take one in a little while. I have to. I haven't had a vacation. I don't know how long, but that's not the point. I have an event, an important one, scheduled for Friday, so I won't be here Friday. Who's going to be in, Mr. Producer? Doc Washburn, who does a great job. I like him very, very much. I heard him once on the radio. I said, that guy's good. And he is. He's very good. Um, So I will not be here tomorrow. That said, Sunday, I have a fantastic Life, Liberty, and Levin. I feel like they're all great because I have guests who get to speak and inform us. One individual who's been tracking for years Kamala Harris's record as a DA in San Francisco and an attorney general in California. That will be the first half of the program. The second half of the program will be a, well, a political anal exam of how the media have covered all this with our buddy Joe Concha. It's going to be a fabulous show, incredible content. So I hope you'll watch us Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, the number one show on Sundays, really, on News Talk Cable and on Fox. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's amazing what goes on in Washington and New York and the media and the politics and the parties. So we're told, now there's a poll. There's a poll out, Mr. Producer, that the people polled, which they say is representative of the American people, and I never believe that, but okay, we'll play along. 74% of the people believe you should wear a mask when you're outside. So, of course, Joe Biden says you should wear a mask when you're outside. Why are we doing polls on that? I thought we're supposed to follow the science. The science. Okay, are we following the polls or the science? 
The science doesn't say everybody should wear a mask all the time when they're outside. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? But the poll says three-quarters of those polled said we should. So is the science following the polls, or the polls are not following the science? So why do they keep playing this poll on TV, Mr. Producer? Who cares what the poll says? Maybe 74% of the people say, uh, you know, you should drink vodka every night. Okay, great. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. So this is the game with the media, with others. Oh, we have a poll. 74% say we should do this. Okay, is that the science? No, not really. Oh, and a growing percentage of parents say they don't want to send their kids to school. Is that the science? It has nothing to do with the science. That's not science. All right, I made my own little list. You remember last evening when I mocked the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the front page and how they and the Associated Depressed and George Stephanopoulos, ABC and the others were pushing the propaganda that Kamala Kamala Harris is a pragmatic moderate. She wants to decriminalize illegal immigration. She compared Immigration and Customs Enforcement Service to the Klan. She wants government-run health care paid for by you and me for illegal aliens. Just imagine that alone. She wants to eliminate private health care for 160 million Americans. All you folks who get health care through your employer or your union, she said she wants to eliminate it. She's a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. That will destroy every single smokestack industry. Steel, aluminum. It'll destroy the automobile business. It'll destroy the economy. Because the Green New Deal was cooked up by Marxists in Europe and adopted by Marxists in America. To put a fine point on it, she wants to eliminate fracking. And she wants to eliminate all fossil fuel use within 10 years. How are we supposed to take a jet anywhere, Mr. Producer? Automobiles? I want you folks that have a car that uses the combustion engine, which is 99.999% of you. I want you to think about the costs now that you're going to have to pay for another car. Or how your car, the value is devalued. These have real consequences and unintended consequences. I'm just getting started on the pragmatic, moderate Kamala Kamala Harris. A.K.A. Kamala Kamala Spiro Agnew Harris. They want to repeal the tax cuts of 2017, which were specifically aimed at the so-called middle class. And they want to massively increase taxes on all Americans by trillions. She supports abortion at every level. I call it infanticide. And she insists that every taxpayer fund it. Including those who embrace a faith or a science that tells them it's babies. Because you see, when it comes to abortion, I guess as long as you're wearing a mask, Mr. Producer, it's okay. The abject hypocrisy and utter rejection of science by the left... 
while wrapping the word science around all their bizarre and outrageous and in some cases evil policies is appalling. It's appalling. She would require states that want to place even modest regulations on abortion to get the approval of the federal government in advance. See, this is authoritarianism and police state tactics. There's no constitutional basis for this. But it gets better. She said she would ban legal firearms. Legal firearms. By executive order. You're going to change the Constitution by executive order? This is why when the president does an executive order on, say, unemployment compensation, for which there is precedent, I I mean, I'm not thrilled with it, but I'm not all worked up about it. But an executive order to alter the Constitution of the United States? She believes in the Obama-Biden war on the suburbs, where the federal government will control zoning, where single homes will essentially be eliminated and replaced with high-density, low-income housing. Now, why do the liberals say that's an attack on black people? Aren't, don't white people live in high-density, low-income housing, too? Of course they do. But they stereotype. This is the way they win, or they think they win. She supports packing the U.S. Supreme Court. Even FDR was rejected by his own party when he tried that. This is how moderate and pragmatic she is. And she supports eliminating the filibuster. Any one of these things, just one, is a death in the heart of this republic. Now, what does she propose doing about the rioting? Nothing. What does she propose doing about Antifa? Nothing. The attacks on federal courthouses? Nothing. Well, that's not correct, Mark. She believes in defunding police forces all across this country. She believes that federal law enforcement shouldn't protect federal facilities. That's a unique one. And she embraces BLM. She said during her speech the other day, Black Lives Matter. Even though Black Lives Matter is a hate America, hate Jew, hate capitalism organization funded by Marxists all over the world. That's what that organization is. And I dare say that organization has created more havoc and dislocation in black neighborhoods than anywhere else. And it would appear from TV and so forth that many, if not most of its members, aren't even black. Such is the nature of the Marxist movement. It's not particularly clever, but it knows how to play the media and the left. It knows how to do that. Now, we'll be back soon. Schedule the ambassador to Israel from the United States, David Freeman, and next hour the ambassador from Israel to the United States, Ron Dermer. We'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Welcome back. It's a pleasure to have the ambassador to Israel from the United States, David Freeman. How are you, sir? Hi, Mark. How are you? It's uh, always great to be with you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So tell us exactly what happened today. Well, um, you know, the words uh, peace and the Middle East uh, rarely go hand in hand. Uh, There hasn't been a peace agreement between Israel and an Arab nation since 1994, 26 years ago. Uh, Today, we changed that. Today, uh, with the help of uh, President Trump uh, acting as as an honest broker, we were able to uh, achieve something historic, uh, an agreement for normalization, for peace between Israel and one of the most important Arab nations in the world, the United Arab Emirates. It'll uh, include uh, the exchange of uh, diplomats, the establishment of embassies, uh, direct flights, uh, commercial cooperation, uh, military uh, cooperation, uh, trade. Uh, this is, um, you know, really uh, a once-in-a-generation uh, achievement, and we're very proud of it. Let me ask you a question about this. Now, wasn't the UAE at that event that I was at, you were at several months ago at the White House, when the first peace deal was announced? Am I right about that? You were right, and they were recognized, and they actually received some, uh, some very flattering applause. All right. So here's the question my audience has. Annexation. I don't even like that word. I call it sovereignty. That's the right word. Yeah. And it was in the original deal. Yeah. And now apparently Israel's willing to put it off, at least temporarily, uh, in exchange for this Arab country and other Arab countries coming forward and putting in place recognized diplomatic ties. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Yes, uh, temporarily, correct. That word temporarily is important. So it's not off the table. It's suspended for now, correct? Yes. Uh, uh, both, uh, all the parties, uh, you know, we put out a joint statement. The words were chosen carefully, as these joint communiques always are, and uh, we use the word suspend. And suspend, by definition, means that it's temporary, and that's, that's the intention. Now, if more Arab countries join, and do you anticipate that, or who knows? We're, we're pretty optimistic that we're going to get more Arab countries to join. I, I just want to ask you, I'm, I'm trying to think it through. So if more Arab countries join, does it become harder and harder then for Israel to assert or reassert its sovereignty over these areas in the original agreement? No, no. I think, it, I think just the opposite, Mark. Um, Remember, we, you, you spoke about January. What, what happened in January? We put out a peace plan. That peace plan included a map. That map included uh, our proposal that all of the Jewish communities and in Judea and Samaria would 
remain in, or become, in, in certain cases, part of sovereign Israel. That's what prompted this entire process between uh, Israel and the Emirates, that Israel was willing to put on the table what was a reasonable proposal with respect to going forward. That's how the parties began to move closer. Mm-hmm. So they moved closer on a, on a template that included Israeli sovereignty over all this territory. So the idea is this. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. It is impossible to do this at the same time. Um, it's, it, you have this rare and historic opportunity for peace. And so the president's direction to us was, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do this for Israel. Let's do this for the Emirates. Let's do this for, uh, for the children and grandchildren of the Israelis and get this locked down and then try to extrapolate it to as many countries as we can. Always recognizing, always recognizing in the background that the ultimate outcome here is going to be within the context of the president's vision for peace, which includes Israeli sovereignty over the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. So these are not in conflict with each other. They actually are complementary to each other. Let's look at the opposite side of this coin. Let's look at Biden and Obama. You know, they're a Jewish outreach guy. Uh, Basically, uh, Biden took credit today for for what you and the Trump administration accomplished. We had the worst relations with the state of Israel under Obama and Biden in my lifetime. We have the best relations with the state of Israel, with Trump and Friedman and Dermer and Kushner and the rest, and of course Netanyahu. And um, are you concerned about what you're hearing from the Democrat Party and what you're hearing from Biden. I know you're a diplomat. Maybe you can't discuss this. But Biden immediately announced there will never be annexation. I'm opposed to it. And he credits uh, everybody but the president of the United States. Doesn't this demonstrate that the president's foreign policy is actually effective as opposed to the prior administration? Well, yeah. I mean, the proof is in the facts. Look, the uh, last administration had eight years. Uh, uh, all they did was alienate uh, their best friend in the region, Israel, and, and they alienated uh, some other good friends as well within the Gulf. And, uh, you know, they achieved not a single uh, significant diplomatic agreement with anyone. They funded Iran. That's not true. They had one with Iran. Well, okay. It, it may be significant, but only significant because it's so terrible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it resulted in, uh, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars going to, to Iran. And what did they do with the money? They didn't do it to, uh, to you know, to shore up their health care system or their education. They spent it on ballistic missiles. They funded uh, terrorism in Yemen, Iraq, uh, Lebanon, Syria. I mean, uh, you know, whoever thought that the Iran deal might have been good, you know, on the front end of it, uh, couldn't possibly think that it was a good deal uh, a year later. Um, and, and this is something that people are talking about going back to, which I think would, would frankly be a catastrophe for the entire world, especially Israel. So, yeah, look, they, 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 look even, even the Bush administration was not able to achieve uh, any significant agreements. Um, there hasn't been a, a peace agreement since 1994. So, you know, look, I think the way the president uh, uh, has, has acted here, primarily, how do you build peace? The first way you build peace is to build trust. And the president uh, achieved a huge amount of trust with the state of Israel, and to his credit, he also achieved trust uh, within other uh, players within the Gulf. And, and, and that's how you make peace. When people trust you, they're willing to go forward and, 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 and take, uh, take a chance. This, this is, by the way, compared to prior peace agreements, you know, Israel made peace with Jordan 
They gave up uh, almost two-thirds of their landmass. When Israel made peace, I'm sorry, with, with Egypt, when Israel made peace with Jordan, they had to enter into the Oslo Accords, which ended up to be a disaster. Here, this is actually a peace agreement among equals who respect each other, who, you know, no one's conceding anything to the other. There's no territorial concessions involved. These are two countries who've gotten up and said, you know what, we're better off being on the same page, on the same side. Not only do we have uh, common threats and common challenges, but we have uh, huge opportunities, uh, huge upside here. And, and all of that got done because I think they had trust in the president. Now, in addition to Biden, who seems to be upset by this, the Palestinians seem to be upset by that. Of course, Hamas, which is a terrorist group, we all know that. But Abbas, uh, I believe they yanked their ambassador from the UAE or they demanded that he come in for a reprimand or something of that sort. I mean, that's, that's not exactly the way toward peace for the Palestinians, is it? No, it's not. I think that um, uh, that behavior was, was deplorable. But I also think, you know, it's sort of the... Um, it's sort of kind of the last uh, phase of, of grief before they actually come to the recognition that they actually need to get to the table. You know, they had this uh, fantasy somehow that, that their interests were so important that they could block, you know, other nations from pursuing their own self-interests. And, you know, the Emirates, to their credit, said, look, we're going to act for the benefit of our citizens, we're going to do what's best for us, and we're going to make peace with Israel. And if the Palestinians don't like it, we're sorry, but we're doing what's best for our country. And I think, you know, it's, it's a tough realization for the Palestinians because they've always thought that they could, you know, that they could threaten the, the, the Arab world uh, into being anti-Israel. I think they now know that they can't. And I, and I think that as that realization sets in, if they're at all paying attention, they need to understand that this signals to them time is not on their side. Uh, they need to get to the table and, and, and make a deal that protects Israel's security and gives some dignity to their people and ends their corruption. And, and I, I hope that signal is, uh, is delivered to them. hope they receive it that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think ultimately they will. Thank you for all you do, uh, David Freeman. Thank the President of the United States and his staff. And uh, it's a very, very important day in American history, Middle East history, and in peace. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Mark. Thanks very much. All right. You take care. We'll be right back. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life Surge. Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs, soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. That's Life Surge Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com. I hope to see you there. When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, you have... uh... 
really historic leaders in the United States and Israel. President Trump, of course you wouldn't know it if you follow the media, but by now you know the media is filled with a bunch of skunks. President Trump and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, these are historic figures. Joe Biden can never be a historic figure. Uh, Kamala Harris, who they say is a historic figure, because of her race and her genitalia, has done nothing historic. And God forbid, should they win, and should she move into the presidency, she'll be historic, all right. She'll be historic for the mayhem, the damage, the destruction that she imposed on the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And we should keep something else in mind. If those two win, God forbid, not only are we hurt in untold numbers of ways, but our enemies are empowered. I believe this. They're going to become more and more reckless. They're going to challenge us in more and more parts of the world. Uh, They're going to know that Biden is... Very weak when it comes to national security and foreign policy and military policy. They know his record very, very well. They know Kamala Harris is absolutely the same and without any experience whatsoever. You might say Donald Trump didn't have any, but Donald Trump had a lot of tough business experience. Not Not the same. Kamala Harris has no real world experience. None. And so I believe and I fear that if we lose this election, we not only lose our country in so many ways domestically, but we will lose our number one superpower status. You heard that here first. I believe it. You know, I use this phrase, Praetorian Guard. I probably used it for 10 years to describe the media. I actually was told that a prominent contributor on Fox is starting to use that, Mr. Producer. Do you blame them? Shocking. And so you'll see these phrases used more and more. They're important terms. Language is important. Language is important. So is ethics, but very few people have them in this business. That said, I think we will severely damage our liberty, our families, our faiths, our founding documents, the nature of government, the nature of a civil society if it's left, And we will empower our enemies, and they will become increasingly provocative and aggressive. Because from their perspective, put yourself in the shoes of a massive genocidal maniac like Xi of China, or Unla of North Korea, or Yabadabadu over there in Iran, or Putin in Russia. They're going to see a Biden-Harris administration also, as a historic opportunity, as a historic opportunity to advance against our best interests, which can be enormously dangerous, enormously dangerous. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of the kind of campaign Joe Biden's running, where he won't take questions from press unless they are handpicked, and only a few, and these so-called press events where their questions are asked, I think that's happened twice in three months. And he skedaddles out of the room and she skedaddles behind him like there's some kind of health issue if they take questions. 
And then I got to thinking also, as I often do, you have this pandemic going on. You have the economic consequences of this pandemic. You see it all over the world. You know, in the UK, their GDP dropped over 50%. Over 50%. Shouldn't Joe Biden, if he were a halfway competent candidate with a truly moderate agenda, be 20, 25 percentage points ahead, Mr. Producer? The latest average is seven points. Trump is beginning to close the gap. Shouldn't he be 20, 25% ahead? If things are so horrific, and he's such a leader, and Kamala Harris is so historic, I mean, put things in perspective. You have to reject the media narrative, which is the Democrat Party narrative. You have to reject it and think for yourselves. And you do. And you do. They come out and make a big announcement today. Everybody should wear a mask when they're outside. Is that rational? Well, Columbia University says, Columbia University, oh, okay. If I go outside right now and there's not another human being within 100 yards of my home, I should wear a mask? Why? There's absolutely no basis for this. None. That's the science? It's not the science, that's the polls. And why are the polls that way? Because of the media. It's a circle, you know what. It's an irksome circle, Mr. Producer. It's a circle, irk. You understand what I'm saying? Pretty much what it is. Biden's leadership today. Andrea Mitchell is uh, seriously, uh, well, she's a left-wing goofball at MSNBC. Now, let me ask you a question. Think about this. This woman has been a so-called journalist for half a century or so? And she's working at MSNBC, Mr. Producer? That's where people are supposed to start at the bottom of the ladder not wind up at the bottom of the ladder like Brian Williams and Joe Amica. That's the bottom of the ladder. And that's where she ends up. If Andrea Mitchell were any good, even from a left-wing perspective, she'd be on a real network. Anyway, she's on MSLSD today. She has no serious reputation as a journalist anymore. She sold out a long time ago. Let's hear how she talks about the appearance yesterday of Biden and Harris. I think she had a chill going up. Don't you kind of miss Chris Matthews, Mr. Producer? I miss this guy. By the way, he would have to wear a spittle. What's that? Oh, yes, his slobbering, his spittle. This guy would definitely have to wear a mask outside, no matter how far away he is from anybody. His spittle... He has a world record for a spittle, for the projection of spittle. But anyway, we have Andrea Mitchell. Cut 14. Hat tip newsbusters. Go.
And it is game on. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris will receive a public health briefing today on the coronavirus as their campaign kickoff made clear President Trump's handling of the pandemic will be a central focus of their attacks. And Kamala Harris will be a major weapon in prosecuting that. And Kamala Harris is going to be Spiro Agnew. I keep saying that. I wish they would repeat that uh, on the various programs. So, uh, Kamala Spiro Agnew, uh, yes, uh, uh, Harris, uh, she's a major weapon. And, of course, the focus is going to be attacking the president on the pandemic. Can you imagine this? We have far more cancer deaths in this country. And they play games with this pandemic. They play games. For the media, it's all a joke. They, they claim to be concerned about their fellow citizens. They don't give an ass about their fellow citizens. Are you kidding me? Maybe Andrea Mitchell should go back to 2009 and take a look at the swine flu and the H1N1. Maybe Andrea Mitchell will take a look at how Joe Biden handled that. Go ahead. It was a rollout unlike any other, with the new running mates addressing a small group of reporters and campaign staff in a high school gym in Delaware while remaining socially distant. Biden praising Harris as an ideal governing partner, calling her smart, tough, and experienced. Wow. Biden did that, Mr. Producer? You mean Biden praised his running mate? That's unbelievable. A governing partner, smart, tough, experienced. Was she smart, tough, and experienced when she called you a, well, a bigot? Was she smart, tough, and experienced when she said she believed the accusers? The multiplicity of women who accused you of molesting and fondling them, Mr. Biden? Andrea Mitchell, Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, she remembered this, Andrea? Do you remember this, Andrea? Come on. How to make the hard calls. She's ready to do this job on Who's day that? one. Who's that? Oh, it's Joe. I forgot what Joe sounded like. He's been in the basement so long. She knows how to make the hard calls. Yeah. About you and molesting women, about you and segregation. I remember those hard calls. She's ready to do the job on day one. What job? Oh, no, she's a historic figure. Go ahead. They also underscored the historic moment. With the COVID-shortened campaign now in full swing, the Democrats delivered a scathing indictment of Donald Trump's presidency. Really? Are you kidding? They did? A scathing indictment of the Donald Trump presidency. From two of the biggest Democrat character assassins in the Democrat Party? Oh. Go ahead. America is crying out for leadership. Yet we have a president who cares more about himself than the people who elected him. And how so? He gave up billions and billions of dollars. He's come under attack, under criminal investigation, unconstitutional impeachment. They spied on his campaign. Cares more about the people himself than the people who elected You know what? This isn't reporting. This is, this is like Russian propaganda. This is like Chinese, communist Chinese propaganda. We have such a great First Amendment, and these, these, these weak frauds just set a match to it every time they open their mouths. Andrea Mitchell, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you want to be a commentator, okay, be a commentator. I'm a commentator. But don't pretend to be a journalist when you're not a journalist. You know exactly what you're doing. You're a fraud. 
Absolute fraud. I just played clips of Fauci, what he said. Why don't you play those? Why don't you put in context what Harris has said? Why don't you tell the truth to the American people? Go ahead and finish it up if it's still there. Go ahead. Already playing up their partnership with Biden tweeting this image of the candidates dressed almost identically in blue suits with the caption, let's get to work, Kamala Harris. (laughs) Those little suits they were, were they Mao suits? Mao suits? She's so taken. You know what amazes me also? You have a first lady of the United States. She's probably the most beautiful first lady in American history. Bar none. Classy. Speaks five languages fluently. Self-made woman. Multi-millionaire. Dresses like the model she is beautifully. Wonderful taste. Do they ever give that woman any credit for anything? No. But there's Kamala Harris with Joe Biden. And they're both dressed in blue suits. Wow. Maybe they'll both be dressed in striped suits one day, or orange suits. You never know. But Michelle Obama, the greatest we've ever seen and heard. Kamala Harris, the greatest we've seen and ever heard. You never hear about our first lady, who's an immigrant, who is exceptional, intelligent, a beautiful woman. What did she do this week? Do we know? No, we don't know because they don't report it. Michelle Obama pretends to grow in a garden, uh, an organic garden in the backyard. It's, it's on 60 Minutes, for God. Where do you put the tomatoes? Uh, where do you put the apples? Oh, I put them in the center of the desk right here. See, would you like an apple? Sure. Ah, she's great. And Kamala Harris. Oh, we've never, never seen or heard anything like Kamala Harris. She's historic. What about our historic first lady? Ah, forget her. I'll be right back. Lovin. I mean, I'm doing a radio show. Look at this. Washington Free Beacon. Federally funded nuclear weapons lab made white male employees participate in racial re-education training. So now we have re-education camps, ladies and gentlemen. They're taking place in kindergarten and throughout our public schools. They've been taking place in our colleges and universities. And now they're taking place in the bowels of the federal bureaucracy. Re-education camps. Where certain people learn to hate themselves and hate their ancestors. And certain people learn that they're superior or should be superior. In modern America... In modern America. Re-education camps. That's what they are. Let's not mince words. Re-education training. That's the whole cancel culture. What do you think that is? You either abide by this or you're fired. You either abide by this or you're demoted. Or shut your mouth. It's all about re-education. It's about indoctrination. And this is how the left conquers a great country. Re-education takes different forms. They're not taking place in our public schools right now because our teachers are striking without striking. It's an amazing thing to watch. Your taxes aren't going down. You're still paying. 
Who's your wireless provider? AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile? What if I told you Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers, the exact same towers, the exact same coverage, but literally costs you half the amount? You're being ripped off. Now, I know it sounds crazy, and when I first heard about Pure Talk, I thought, this is too good to be true. But no, it's true. Listen to what their customers are saying. Sarah from Abilene. The service is amazing. Love the price. The speed is quick. Eugene from Granbury. Since giving up AT&T, we really don't feel there's any difference in the level of service quality or accessibility. Look at the reviews. People love Pure Talk USA. Why? No contract. No excessive fees. Again, they do not rip you off. They're very fair. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. Is that what you're paying? No. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. So grab your mobile phone. Here's what you do. Dial pound 250, pound 250, and say Mark Levin. Now, when you do that, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, including the brand-new iPhone SE. Plus, you'll get the great Pure Talk service. Dial pound 250, pound 250, but say the magic words, Mark Levin. Pound 250, Mark Levin. If you don't do this, you're just blowing money away. I don't know why people don't don't jump in. It's the same service, better, better customer service, but it's a lot cheaper. They figured out how to do it. A lot of you have moved over. It's a very, very good idea. While we had Andrea Mitchell, you know, you could do this all day with these idiots in the press, to be perfectly honest with you. Let's, uh, when we come back, calling Kamala Harris angry and mean is a racist trope. Oh, I see. And her trying to destroy the very humanity of Brett Kavanaugh? Was she being racist too? Was she being sexist too? Get off that kick, will ya? A grown man and a grown woman, they want to be president and vice president of the United States. This isn't about Kamala Harris and her race. It's not about Joe Biden and his mental sanity or lack thereof. It's about what's in the best interest of the American people. All the American people. All races, religions, sexes, and whatever they do with their genitalia. It's about America. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-381. Heard throughout America, throughout the world. And that includes the great state of Israel. We have uh, the ambassador from Israel to the United States, Ron Dermer. How are you, sir? 
Uh, great to be with you, Mark. Uh, it's, a, it's a great day uh, for Israel, great day for peace. Well, we had Ambassador Friedman on here a little bit ago, and he was very, very happy with this arrangement. Tell us, tell us your impressions from the Israeli side. Well, it's, it's certainly a historic day. It's the third Arab country uh, Israel will make peace with. The first one came with Egypt in 1979. We had to wait three decades uh, before being able to forge that uh, uh, historic breakthrough. And then we waited another 15 years to have peace uh, with Jordan. Uh, we had a de facto peace with Jordan for about 25 years, but to formalize it, it only happened in 1994. And it's been over a quarter century, Mark, uh, since we last had a peace agreement with an Arab state. And I think what's different about this one is the previous uh, peace agreements required some pretty major concessions uh, from Israel. In the case of Egypt, it was the Sinai, which is about two to three times the size of Israel. Uh, that Israel had to uh, withdraw from to make that peace. It was a land-for-peace proposal. In the case with Jordan, they went uh, to a peace with Israel after Oslo, which also required Israel to make uh, concessions that proved to be quite uh, dangerous. In this case, Israel's not making territorial concessions. Uh, and I think we, uh, we have uh, on the table a peace agreement that the president put forward a few months ago that is very important and anchors Israel's vital security and national interests. And now, instead of doing land for peace, we're doing peace for peace. And so we're very pleased um, with this, and uh, we think it's a truly historic day. And I think you're going to see more days like this in the weeks and months ahead. Are you hinting there may be more Arab countries lining up? Yes, uh, you know, absolutely. Look, I think a lot of people believe, Mark, and were tried to convince us for many years, that the road to peace with the Arab states must go through Ramallah. They must go through the Palestinians. Uh, without making a final peace with the Palestinians, you're never going to be able, this is what a lot of people said, you're never going to be able to make peace uh, with Arab states. Um, it is true that the road to peace with the Palestinians goes through Ramallah, but the road to peace with Arab states does not. Um, we made, it goes through Cairo, it goes through Amman, uh, and now it's gone through Abu Dhabi, and it's going to go through other capitals as well. And I think that's very, very important, because if we had a Palestinian partner who wanted to make peace, we would have made peace a century ago. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to give the Palestinian leadership veto power over Israel normalizing its relations with the Arab world. And I think because of the leadership of President Trump, because what you have seen from his team, we now have this historic breakthrough when Israel's not making these concessions and we're showing that, yes, Israel can make peace with our Arab neighbors, and we don't have to trade land to do that. We can have peace for peace. And the Emirates, if your listeners don't know, is a very serious Arab country. It's a great source of uh, technology and innovation uh, in our region, extremely prosperous and well-run country. And I think that uh, the relationship between uh, Israel and, and the UAE is going to really help uh, foster prosperity throughout the region. I think you're going to see this happen across the board. We're looking at tourism, at trade, at direct flights. Obviously, there will be embassies, but cooperation in health, technology, environment, water, you name it. There are commercial a hub for the region, and Israel is the second great center of innovation in the world after Silicon Valley. So I think here's the sky's the limit. And as I said, I hope that and expect that other dominoes uh, will fall. And I think ultimately that will open up the door to peace with the Palestinians as well. Because when they understand that the Arab train is leaving the station, 
And I think here, uh, the Emirates are the first car, but there'll be other cars as well. Maybe constructive forces within Palestinian society can emerge and say, uh, enough with this rejectionism. We have to make a historic compromise with Israel, uh, and we have, to, uh, we have to forge this peace for our own sake, and the Arab world is not going to join us in our rejectionism. And that's why I think this is an important day, not just for Israel and for peace with the Emirates. I think ultimately it helps advance a broader peace in the region. What happens to sovereignty? Well, the administration that backed our effort um, uh, to push for, uh, to extend sovereignty to territories that the Trump plan designates as being part of Israel. Just take, go back to January. The Trump administration puts out a plan. It calls for certain territories to be part of Israel in the future and certain territories to be designated for a future Palestinian state if they ever deign to negotiate a peace with us. Now, the Palestinians, of course, rejected it, as they have every single plan over the last uh, century. And then we said, okay, they're rejecting it, but we want to move forward with the United States. And the U.S. backed our effort uh, to extend sovereignty to territories that the Trump peace plan designates as being part of Israel and asked us to set aside territory that would be designated for a future Palestinian state in case they ever decided to negotiate a peace with us. As this process was unfolding, this opportunity came about where the Emirates approached uh, the United States and said, look, we're willing to normalize uh, with, uh, with Israel. And the administration came to us, uh, President Trump and his team, and said, look, um, I'm committed to uh, sovereignty for Israel over these areas, but I ask you to suspend it now. Uh, and focus on normalizing Israel's relations with these Arab states and give me the time and space uh, that I need, that the administration needs, to engage in this historic process. And they're not coming with promises in the future, Mark, of what may happen. They actually came with something in hand, which is a, a historic breakthrough. And I don't think it's going to be just one. I think that you're going to see several. Uh, and that's in, you know, uh, an important offer that was made to Israel, and the Prime Minister of Israel agreed to temporarily suspend sovereignty, not to permanently take it off the table, but to temporarily suspend it to give the president the time and space he needs to affect this. Remember, this is a president that has done so much for Israel. He withdrew from the dangerous nuclear deal with Iran that was a great threat to the security of Israel and, frankly, the security of our Arab neighbors. He recognized Jerusalem as our capital. He recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. He has been unequivocal of his backing to Israel's security. He has been unwavering in his defense of Israel at the United Nations. And when a president like that, who stands so firmly with Israel, comes to you and says, hey, guys, can you give me a little time and space in order to advance peace? We say, uh, yes, we will give you that time and space. And that's why we are we're so excited about what has happened today and what we think will happen in the very near future. It is exciting, isn't it? I mean, this truly is historic, particularly if sovereignty isn't taken off the table permanently, and that's still something that can be uh, addressed down the road, and particularly if you have additional Arab states that are stepping up. I mean, um, I never thought I'd see this, did you? Yeah, I did. I actually yeah. thought that it was possible because we've seen a change happen in the region over the last several years where the Arab states recognize that Israel is not an enemy but is a potential ally in confronting common problems. They see the dangers of Iran. The empowering Iran, uh, you know, before President Trump changed the policy, the empowering Iran, frankly, brought a lot of those Arab states closer to Israel. 
um, because of a common danger that we face. The dangers of uh, not just the Shia radicalism of Iran's regime, but also Sunni fanaticism. You saw that with al-Qaeda, which was 1.0. You have ISIS, that's 2.0. They're worried about 3.0. Then they're concerned that the United States is leaving the region. And when they look around and they see, here he's got this very dangerous uh, Iranian tiger and very dangerous ISIS leopard, which's coming next, and the 800-pound American gorilla is, you know, leaving the building, they look over to a country like Israel and say, wow, you know, this is a country we can rely on. It's a very strong military and economic and technology power in the region. We are confronting Iran. Uh, in, in, in many places in the region, actively militarily confronting Iran, as we've had to take action in Syria and in elsewhere in the region. And I think that has brought us closer together. But what would happen, Mark, is that for 70 years, many of these countries have poisoned their populations against Israel. For 70 years, seven decades of poison, it is hard for them to turn on a dime. But because of the window of opportunity that the president opened up, uh, I think by his peace initiative and by his backing, frankly, of Israel's move towards sovereignty, he actually opened up a window uh, and a door, I should say, for the Emirates to now come through. Uh, and we, we seize this opportunity. And as I said, I think we're going to see more to come. Well, it's very exciting. And uh, it's been well, an absolute... It's be the yeah. bearer of good news from the <laughs> Middle East. It happens... You know, it happens once every quarter of a century, but I I think it is good for peace, and I I think it's also very good for uh, the confrontation uh, vis-a-vis Iran, because I think lining up moderate uh, Arab states uh, with Israel, I think, sends a very strong message. This is definitely a bad day for Iran, for Iran's regime. Um, They're very disappointed in the deal. Uh, The Palestinians are very disappointed. I I was just going to say, Mr. Ambassador, uh, we know about Hamas, but Abbas and his people, uh, they either told the UAA ambassador to leave or they yanked him in to admonish him. I forget which one. At least right now, they're not really interested in, uh, in peace right now. They certainly don't act like it, do they? No, it's pretty amazing that you have the Palestinians re- rejecting any Arab state making peace with Israel. This has been the problem. This is what I said where they hoped that they would have veto power over an Israeli rapprochement with any country in the region, that all anything has to go through Ramallah, and it was absurd. And I, I applaud and commend, Israel commends uh, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, the uh, leader of the Emiratis, for basically taking this historic step. And we hope and we expect that other, uh, is, uh, other Arab countries are going to also take this step and send a message that you, to Ramallah. You don't have veto power over our relations, that we want to have, they should say, we want to have relations with Israel. And I think that's what they said in doing this move. So this is a very big deal. The Palestinians, unfortunately... Uh, we're against it because he says, hey, you just took away our veto power. But I hope other countries will follow. I think there are several possibilities in the region. And I think with U.S. Uh, leadership, with President Trump's leadership and the support of his very effective team, I think Jared Kushner should get a lot of credit for what has happened in setting this up. And Avi Berkowitz, who's the peace envoy, uh, did a terrific job behind the scenes. Another thing that happened here, Mark, that people don't know about is that nobody knew this was happening until right when it happened. You, you know, it, we the secrets are usually not kept that well in the Middle East, but I think it speaks to a very tight-knit team that were focused on, on getting the job done, and uh, and it was a great a great uh, breakthrough for us, and I hope that this will uh, uh, continue, as I said, in the weeks and months ahead. And you and your boss, the Prime Minister, are way too modest. Couldn't have happened with you guys without you guys too. So, congratulations, uh, Ambassador Dermer, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you. It's, it's been an honor to serve uh, as ambassador here in the United States, a land, uh, a country I was born in, and uh, just the greatest force for good of any. Wait a minute, you're not leaving yet, are you? I'm sorry? You're not leaving today, are you? No, no, All no. Right. I've been extended. Uh, I've been in through January, so uh, hopefully by then we'll have uh, some more agreements that we can announce. But uh, the United States, I hope, and all your listeners know that it has no greater friend uh, than the state of Israel. We know that we have no greater friend than the United States of America, and we share interests, we share values, and I think share a real powerful sense of destiny. And uh, we're continue to do whatever we can to strengthen this uh, indispensable relationship that we have with you. Well, God bless you, and be very, very well. Best to everybody. Take care. Thank you. All right, you too. That's Ron Dermer. <clears throat> Great English, isn't it, Mr. B? He speaks beautiful English, because he was born, as he said, in, in uh, Florida, in America, uh, to an Israeli mother and an, uh, an American father. And uh, superb individual. And we will be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, now we've had both ambassadors, the ambassador to Israel from the United States, the great David Freeman, the ambassador from Israel to the United States, the great Ron Dermer, and they both are very, very pleased. And I believe the, the uh, nation of Israel and the United States should be extremely pleased about this too. This is a serious peace accord, and not just on paper. And it's being downplayed all over the media, Mr. Producer. Again, it's historic, and the media do not want to give credit to the administration. If it had been Biden, for God's sakes, oh my God, we've never had such a great man. All right, Mr. Producer, I don't have the call screen up, so it's left to you to tell me to whom I should speak. Give me a name. Mark, New York, on the great WABC. Go. Yeah, hi. You, you changed the topic. First of all, thank you for taking my call. Yes, and sir. You changed, the topic. you changed the topic since I called in, but when I called in, you were talking I'm sorry. Let's, uh, let's circle back for you. How may I help you? No problem. Uh, I just wanted to share. I had a dentist appointment this week, Monday, in New York City. Wait a minute. You had a dentist appointment? Yes. What's wrong? Uh, I have a cavity. You have a cavity? Yeah, I need a are, you, are you eating too many uh, sweets? Too much sugar, my friend? Mm, I think so, yeah. Do you get cavities often? 
Um, when I was younger. Uh, recently, I didn't have in the past few years. But and uh, how old are you, sir? 28. How many uh, fillings do you have? Six or seven. Holy mackerel. How many crowns do you have? Or caps? Two. Have you had any root canal, sir? Two. Do you brush regularly? Yes. Do you use Crest or Colgate? Colgate. Mm-hmm. That's your problem right there. <laughs> Who the hell uses Colgate? My wife uses Colgate. I use Crest. That's your problem right there. Really? Yes. Yes, sir. Now, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you use mint, regular? What do you use? Regular. Mm-hmm. How come? Well, mint is going to help me more. It just tastes different, you know? Yeah, do you drink, do you drink a lot of coffee? May I ask you that question? One a day. One a day. Do you, are your teeth yellowing? No. Okay, now you're only 28. You know, you want to live to 98. So you gotta, you got to cut back. Are you heavy? What are you? No. Very fit. You're very thin? Yep. A thin guy with rotting... Are your teeth rotting, sir? No, right now they're all in good shape. Well, it's like more than eight years that I haven't seen a dentist. Just a checkup, but I haven't seen a dentist for any... You haven't seen a dentist in eight years? I said for checkups I went in, oh, oh. I didn't need it. I, I didn't need any work to be done in more than eight years. All right, my friend. Did you have a question? Yes. Uh, I, that I well, we're to out of time now, sir. I'm going to carry you over because I want to hear your question. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news, he makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Back to Mark in Manhattan, New York, the great WABC. Go! Oh, I had this, so I had this dentist appointment, and I was told yes. over the phone that due to COVID-19, yes. you have to be exactly on time, and everyone has the exact time, and a 10-minute window before and after to make mm-hmm. sure that there's no two patients in the office at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when I come in, so when I come in, I guess the dentist uh, wants to cut his budget, or there's no need for a secretary, so he does the secretary work himself. I come in, he checks me. Wait, 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 wait a minute. The dentist is also the secretary. Right now, I guess he has less mm-hmm. patients, and he wants right. to cut his budget. So he 
did the check-in, the paperwork, and then then he takes me into the room in the back and he does the work. So when I come in, he tells me, put on a mask. So I look around, I see it's me and the dentist. So I ask, are you going to work on my mouth with a mask on? He said, no, but you're in the waiting room now. So I said, but come on. So he said, listen, they could come in here at any given time, and if there's a patient in the waiting room without a mask, they take my license away. So this makes absolutely unbelievable. Sense. What I want to, what I want to ask you: Do you think they intentionally make us comply with stupid things that make no sense? And if so, why? I think uh, some of these governors and mayors and some of these so-called health departments are enjoying their power. I really believe they are. I think they're enjoying their power. Some of them are earnest. Some of them are out of their minds, like Joe Biden. But we already knew that. We should wear a mask. Anytime we're outside, Mark, does that make any sense to you? No. Same way it doesn't make sense to wear a mask with my dentist. That a few of course not. Later, he was as close as it gets to my mouth. Of course, and I don't blame the dentist, you know? He's stuck. Yeah, he wants his license. Yeah. Ha- um, uh, are people uh, leaving your community? They're getting the heck out of there? Uh, I don't see anyone, but I'm hearing a lot, especially from those who own the, from pro- those who own the apartments. Uh, mm-hmm. The vacancies are going up. And they're moving out. Isn't it horrible? What, it, what's four or five short months, what's happened in New York City? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I it, used to walk the streets in Brooklyn, in oh, yes. Philly. I don't walk it at night. Come. I, I, I just don't. Uh, you're Orthodox Jew? Yes. I, I actually met you once. Wasn't it fantastic? Fantastic um, is an understatement. Well, thank you, sir. But do you, do you wear uh, identifiable clothing and so forth? Yes. Okay, so you would be you would be attacked. Um, you, you you wouldn't be thank safe. God I, thank God I never had it on me, but I'm afraid to go out. Isn't that horrible? At, night, at least. Good horrible. lord. Well, Mark, you're a great sport. I appreciate it. Keep in touch, and God bless. Okay. Good luck thank to you. Thank you so much. All right. Elaine Healy is a great hero, medical doctor, New Rochelle, New York, director of medicine, I believe, at a particular nursing home, and she is the, the hero who called this program. What, what was that, Elaine? Was that March 25th or 26th? March. Good evening, Mark. It yeah. was March 26th, and the you, day after uh, Cuomo uh, issued that directive. And you called this program... And even though there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal, we sent this thing national, didn't we? Yeah, well, you certainly did. Well, thanks to you. You called this program. I couldn't believe what you were telling me. I couldn't believe that Cuomo had ordered individuals who are not in the nursing homes, who test positive for this virus, ordered nursing homes to take them. I, I, I said, you're pulling my leg, right? And you said, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's Unbelievable. Right. And, now, and now they're lying about the numbers, and he doesn't want an independent investigation. Tell me about that. Well, Mark, um, here's what I think. Um, I think that the number of individuals who perished in the nursing home is much greater. As horrific as has already been reported, I think it's significantly higher. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, there was a, a screw-up with respect to how death certificates were completed. The, the uh, Department of Health amazingly did not even collect 
this information about nursing home deaths until the middle of April. I know you're not going to believe that, but it's true. They didn't collect it. So for three weeks, at a minimum, they didn't count. Correct. And when, you know, because I think, you know, it's perhaps because of the momentum that was generated from your show, uh, people started to catch on, the other, you know, members of the press, and they started asking uh, him and uh, Dr. Zucker about uh, these matters in these press conferences. So there was a mad scramble in mid-April to... to, uh, collect the nursing home death data, and uh, a single day, over the course of a single afternoon, the nursing homes had to um, give this information to the Department of Health. There was no uh, definition of how uh, the um, criteria for the definition of presumed COVID deaths, so uh, any doctor who thought someone may or may not have died of COVID had you know, the opportunity to complete the death certificate however they wanted. and But more significantly, Mark, a lot of people, in my observation and in the uh, observation of other medical directors, a lot more people died in these facilities than were reported as either presumed or confirmed COVID deaths. And I, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I think that COVID... Um, took people for reasons and in ways that we weren't expecting, so we didn't think that COVID uh, was responsible. Um, But large numbers of nursing home residents, larger numbers died than were accounted for. And um, I'm trying to get this information from the Department of Health. Uh, I've requested through the Freedom of Information Law, uh, account and accounting for the exact number of nursing home residents that died during those weeks, and I suspect it will be far greater than the average numbers that uh, that uh, succumb in a given month. And there are ways that you can apply some simple statistics to uh, to figure out when when uh, deaths are re- are caused by something other than normal causes and. Um, this is an indirect way to get at the information, but th- there's far greater numbers than I believe than it have been reported. Well, he doesn't want an independent investigation, Cuomo. Well, uh, you're, 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 it's like pulling teeth to get the information. You think this is a cover-up right now? I do. I do. And you know that, that they publish their own investigation. But here's the irony, Mark. In a healthcare organization, if you have something happen or even have the risk of something happening that could put lives and limb uh, at risk, it's called a sentinel event. And if you do that as a healthcare organization, you're not allowed to investigate yourself. You have to get an outside agency to come in by their very own rules. Uh, If a nursing home did something, let's say a patient almost wandered out of the building and, and, you know, almost... uh, uh, went out the door. You have to uh, call in an outside agency to investigate your organization. You can't do it yourself. So the mere fact that they're trying to, you know, uh, say that they didn't do anything wrong is, is is against their own regulations. It's incredible. They absolutely should have an outside agency come in, and it should be something like the Joint Commission. It, isn't it that, amazing that, that Congress has no interest? Has, has, I mean, Cuomo hasn't been required to testify. Well, they asked him to. 
They asked him to, but he refused. I think Steve Scalise and some... The uh, Republicans in the House, but Nancy Pelosi, yeah. and uh, she oh, doesn't yeah. seem to want to get to the bottom of it, and uh, I don't hear any Republicans in the Senate. No, no. But in the, in the, state, uh, in the state legislature, they've just had um, hearings, and, you know, I think they're making an effort. In, and it's actually a bipartisan effort, but I don't know where it's going to go. But uh, thankfully, you know, the, the issue has been kept uh, public in the public eye. And, um, you know, as, as long as it is, uh, he'll, he will not be viewed as, uh, as the hero that he thinks he is. He was actually doing a victory lap with charts and everything. Yeah. How, how do you live with yourself? I mean, it's just amazing know. to me. You don't have to answer that. Listen, you have been uh, terrific. Call any time, Elaine Healy, and you deserve some kind of medal. Because as far as I'm concerned, you alerted me to this. And this has been a, uh, an issue that we have focused on a great deal, uh, particularly after you spoke to us uh, for several months after that. So I want to thank you very, very much. Well, thank you for all you do, Mark. And God bless you. And you as well. Just terrific. Just terrific. Ari, Stamford, Connecticut, the great WABC. Ari, go. Hey, Mark, big fan, long-time listener. Um, you. listen you're you're not Avi Berkowitz, are you? Uh, similar name, but no. I do uh, just want to make sure you're not calling under a pseudonym. Go right ahead. No, no. <laughs> um, so anyway, so um, yeah, Joe Biden takes credit for uh, you know, this historic deal between Israel and United um, First of all, isn't that, I mean, what a classless, appalling buffoon. He's in his basement. Everybody else is doing the hard work. This administration pulls off with no other administration, and he takes credit. But you know what, Mark? I, you know what? He's right. Because under Obama, Obama propped up Iran, gave him $150 billion, this disastrous nuclear Iran deal, and he pushed all the moderate states towards Israel. So, I mean, yeah, Biden, Biden is right in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. they, that, you know, they did help out with this deal because now all the moderate countries... The problem is Biden's now saying he would reintroduce that deal with Iran. Uh, so, in other words, he would undermine all the efforts. He would undermine all the incentives that are in place now. And we go back to square nothing. We're square zero. Well, I don't, I don't really think Biden you know, knows what he's doing. or I don't even think he knows where Israel or the UAE is. So, like, I'm not, I'm not really yeah, but Bernie Sanders does, and he runs the place. I, I, agree. I agree. Let me ask you another question about the Democrat Party. They're all upset. I see this uh, pathetic site that Dan Abrams started called Mediaite Left-Wing Kooks. I see others, too, about this woman. I don't even know who she is. Apparently, she won a Republican primary, likely to be a member of Congress. She's into this Q ideology or conspiracy, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. And they keep pounding. And I'm thinking, you celebrate Omar, where the Democrats actually endorsed her, and she's a a full-throated Jew hater. You celebrate Rashid Talib who is the same thing, a full-throated Jew hater. She gets the backing of the establishment Democrats, the backing of Pelosi, the backing of Bernie Sanders, and nobody says a damn thing about it. A hundred percent. How does Pelosi go on record and say that she is pro-Israel, supports Jews, and she backs his anti-Semites? I'll tell you how. Because unfortunately, my brother, there's enough liberal Jews in this country, like liberal Catholics and so forth, who put their party first... And their morality and their common sense, second. That's exactly what's going on. 
Liberalism is an ideology. As my wife likes to say, it's a religion. And it's all-powerful. It's all-powerful. I mean, it's more than anything else. It's like the Democrats. The Democrats, it's about party, not country. It's about power, party, not country. Go ahead, sir. Exactly. No, Mark, I, I 100% I echo exactly what you're saying. And you have all these liberal Jews who will put the Democrat Party before our homeland, before our religion. By the way, we can say this. We're both Jewish. Go right ahead. Exactly. And, I'm an ortho- and I know you just had an Orthodox Jew on earlier, and I just want to tell you I'm a proud Orthodox Jew living in Stanford, Connecticut. Um, and, and I support this president 100% from day one when he moved the embassy to Jerusalem, when he recognized the Golan Heights. Judea and Samaria, our, our homeland, where Abraham... Well, you're going to have to get brothers and sisters out there voting in mass because, uh, you know, our liberal so-called brothers and sisters outnumber us. Ari, I got to go. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Who did I want to go to here, Mr. Producer? I think I wanted... Yes, Mark, Manhattan, New York. The great WABC. Go right ahead, sir. Mark, Kamala Harris says we have to wear masks, but she slipped. She said we have to wear masks for the next three months. She said three months. If we look at the calendar, three months just happens to take us exactly one week past the election. Mm -hmm. It's also the beginning of the flu season. It took Kamala Harris only one day on the stump, only one day on the stump, accidentally to reveal the left's fraudulent plan to use the pandemic as their only strategy for winning the election. For the left, there will be no pandemic after the election. They just want mail-in ballots before the election. They say they follow science, but science has been following leftist politics for a couple of days now. And no one in the mainstream media is going to call her out. But just like Joe Biden, she'll make more mistakes and more mistakes, and she will call herself out. It's a brilliant point. The three months, you're right, just happens to take you right through Election Day. And you know what that mask is when everybody's wearing them, even on occasions when you don't need to? It's the scarlet letter. So they want you to wear the scarlet letter. You know, I wouldn't have to wear this, but for Trump. Then they're going to blame Trump. You're wearing masks because of Trump. They want to keep the economy shut down. You're unemployed because of Trump. Their unions want to keep the schools closed. Well, their kids aren't going to school because of Trump. When Trump is trying to do the opposite of all this, it's a brilliant, brilliant point, and you're right. God forbid, if they win, you watch. All of a sudden, their policies will change with respect to that. And then comes out the iron fist with the brass knuckles. And that's when our liberty is threatened in every way. 
because they're going to view this as a year or two where they can do whatever they want until they're really found out. So we have to make sure that doesn't happen. Brilliant call, Mark. I appreciate it. So I won't be here tomorrow. I hope you'll tune in 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can DVR it. Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday on Fox. It's going to be a, a massive program. Very, very important. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And don't forget Levin TV. We have a great Levin TV tomorrow night, too. All right, folks, you be safe, and God bless each and every one of you. Keep your chins up, all four of them. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.